Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I am joined right here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Following a historical yes. night. For those listening on YouTube, we got the Luca jerseys on right now. I mean, the absolute quintessential MVP performance that you could ever ask for. 60 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists, the game-tying shot to force overtime off of a um, intentional missed free throw in which he got his own rebound yeah. and was able to throw up a shot mid air yeah. and make it with like about like 1.2 seconds left. I mean, the most fun game of the year, me and Jaron were lucky enough yeah. to attend. <laughs> actually blessed as a Christmas gift. And I mean, it, it just doesn't get any better than this. This is why we do this, this is why we interact with you guys because of moments like this, this was Probably the coolest thing I've ever been a part of, part of as a Mavs fan uh, to be able to see live. It was easily the best individual performance I've ever seen in any sporting event. It was so cool to yep. be able to witness it live. I mean, just down the stretch where we, you just saw this guy expelling every last bit of energy, emptying the absolute tank to carry this team over the hump when it looked grim, when the Mavericks were down by nine points with 27 seconds left and Luka Doncic seemingly said, you know, screw that. I'm going to take control of this. We're winning the, we're winning the fucking game for lack of a better term. (laughs) And he went ahead and did that. You know, there are some other things to get into this game, but mainly the primary focus of course is going to be on Luka Doncic's insane 60 point triple double and fourth quarter and overtime performance. And, you know, before we get to the ad break and everything, um, I just want to go ahead and fast forward to the sequence, of course, at the end of the fourth quarter that led to all this before we talk about Luka Doncic's game holistically. And we look at, you know, his whole performance over the course of the game and, you know, we go more in depth into overtime. I just want to get into, you know, what's fucking – oh, Jesus. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a little bit excited right now. Yeah, no, we, yeah we just got back. Yeah. Okay. Let's, you know, just segue directly to that fourth quarter, Jaron, where the Mavericks were seemingly dead in the water. You know, me and you had even penciled this in as we were sitting yeah. up in the nosebleeds. We're like, okay, yeah, this is another loss. You know, this is snapping a three-game streak. Deservingly so, might I add. The Mavericks did not deserve to win this no, game. No, not at all. <laughs> no. 77, El Mavrio, uh, Donovich, whatever you want to call him, he came in, put his foot in the ground, and said, you know, F that. Uh, we're going to take this game. He was about the only guy in the arena, I think, that wanted to win that game. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know what there's to say. Like, incredible. Uh, for sure, single-handedly, the best sporting event I have ever been to. Uh, I mean – there's, I can't, there's not, like, I just still don't have words. We haven't for even what I mentioned saw. the reason that we had <laughs> went to this game in the first place because it was the Jalen Brunson yeah. revenge game. And, you know, it was announced you know, early in the day on the Knicks injury report that he was going to be a game time decision. And me and Jaron had both basically came to the summation or 
the uh, conclusion rather, my bad, um, that Jalen Brunson, you know, this is a competitor. He has a little bit of hypnosis soreness. If he's listening, it's questionable. This is a guy who's going to go out there and play. And that didn't happen. And I, I'm not, that's not me trying to discount the severity of his injury. It could be worse than we thought and what have you. So I, I'm not calling him a quitter or anything like that, but we were just surprised that he wasn't playing. And, you know, we were not bummed out. We were still very much excited to go to the game, of course, but, you know, we were like, of course, you know, our expectations were definitely dwindled in terms of how, uh, you know, magnificent a display of a game we were going to get you know obviously the Mavericks are extremely injury riddled right now we were up in the nosebleeds we were predicting the trends that happened throughout the game just when the Mavericks rolled up the starting lineup of Luca Spencer Tim Christian Wood and Dwight Powell that Jason Kidd only went to because uh, they bared so much positive aggression in that second half of the Lakers game Um, he decided that it would be really smart to opt to go with Dwight Powell and Christian Wood, which to say the least um, did not bode the best defensively. Um, It it had its moments where you could kind of see how that gelled offensively. But I mean, two guys who you have to involve in the pick and roll and are essentially rim runners, even though Christian Wood can stretch the floor, it just has a tendency to operate really clunky when you're not bearing any of the effects on the defensive end, of course, with both of those guys, lack of rim protection, though Christian Wood, did have a few good moments tonight, especially in that overtime period when he blocked um, a blues of Miles McBride or is it, was it Quentin, it? Quentin Grimes? I think it was Quentin Grimes. Quentin yeah. Grimes three point shot. He had a couple. I think he had a moment. Where no, he, that was McBride. That was McBride. Yeah, and then he had a he had a moment where he stuffed either Derek Rose or Quentin Grimes at the rim. At the rim. I think it was yeah. Quentin Grimes at the rim. Yeah, um, he he was kind of getting ate alive by Mitchell Robinson, kind of per expected. You know, one of the more dominant interior defensive and rebounding forces in our game. But, you know, where he was able to supplement and, you know, kind of come through as a help side defender and, you know, really start to furbish himself on the glass a little more in that second half, he did as much as he could. You know, this is not a guy who really has the size and the intangibles or the defensive pedigree to match up against like a Mitchell Robinson and, you know, just hold his ground completely. He he doesn't have that size. So that's not really something that we were like asking from him or anything. So it's not, that came more down to personnel and the Mavericks injuries and what have you, but you know, he's definitely a guy that really stepped up in this game. And um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, other things to get into barring Luca, but you know, he's going to be the centripetal focus of this. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what he did tonight was otherworldly. It showed how incomprehensibly good he, he is. I mean, just the way that he operates so nonchalantly. Um, in terms of his physicality, yet he operates so meticulously mentally. Uh, it's it's not something that I think we've ever seen in the NBA before. And I tweeted that as well. You know, and uh, so, you know, like I was saying, obviously, uh, quite the grandiose introduction uh, per se, but it deserves it. it to well deserving. To say the very least. And we're going to talk more about him after, um, you know, you – uh, kind of hash out this the Mavericks fourth quarter end of fourth quarter stretch and overtime stretch where they had this insane comeback and you know obviously led by number 77 down by nine with 27 seconds left how did the Mavericks completely fleece this when they were dead in the water just not 
not in any dimension of Doctor Strange's universe, not in yeah. any of the multiverses where the Mavericks supposed to win this game, but one, and and they somehow pulled through. How did it happen, Jaren? Yeah, so I, I I can say this pretty safely. I think with around 50 seconds left, we were probably sitting in our seats uh, and we were, you know, a little PO'd to say the least. I, yes. I know I was. Um, but yeah, you know, let's, I guess, talk this over we uh, through the play-by-play. Yeah, we were grieving. Yeah, our, our classic one one and one against the Knicks for the season. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, you know, let's hash this over through the play-by-play. I'm just going to go pretty much from whenever Miles McBride was fouled by Christian Wood with 34 seconds left. Um, he goes two for two at the free throw line. And then uh, Christian Wood with 26 seconds left. Uh, or I guess well, it was like a jump ball with 21 seconds left. Uh, between Luca and Grimes, uh, Luca somehow gets the ball back. Um, and me and you just found this out that jump balls, if you somehow win the ball, or like, how does it, how do we want to word this? If you uh, get into a jump ball with another player, say so, Luca got into a jump ball with, yeah, Quinn so he Grimes. tangled up. Quinn Grimes had the ball, yeah, Luca so grabbed right the, off the yeah. inbounds pass. Mm-hmm. And once you get into a jump ball, if you win the jump ball, that ends up becoming a steal for you yeah. and it, subsequently a turnover for the player that lost it if it goes the other way. And I had no clue yeah, that didn't. the statistics ever ironed out like that. Some of you guys listening may be calling us dumb or stupid for not knowing that. I never knew that, so I apologize. But I, I thought that was a cool little thing. But, yeah, continue. Yeah, so Luca, anyways, he got that steal basically winning the jump ball between him and Quentin Grimes. Um, Tim Hardaway, he misses his three-point shot. Uh, and Luka Doncic, re- Luka Doncic rebounds, which would become, um, I want to say, his 17th rebound or something like that. Uh, and he basically has a putback and one, which cuts the lead to 106. Um, oh, wait, no, I missed. I think I missed a shot here. Okay, no, Christian Wood made a shot in between there. He made a three-point shot to cut it to six. Uh, and then that Luka Doncic thing happened. Um, and, yeah, he gets a putback and one to cut for his – you know, total off the Christian Wood miss. He yeah, he got a rebound midair, puts it in from the left um, block, and he gets fouled by hey, uh, Emmanuel quickly. quickly, like midair, and he makes it. And, then and that was his fiftieth point whenever he made the free throw. Yes. Uh, so New York subsequently calls a timeout. Um, the Mavericks are only down by three at this point. Yeah, they're only down one oh nine. Yeah, because Luca made his free throw, of course. Yeah. So it's one twelve one oh nine at this point. New York calls a timeout to advance the ball because they pretty much know they're going to get fouled in this scenario. Uh, the ball is uh, given to Miles McBride in the inbounds, and Luka Doncic fouls him. That would become his fifth personal foul. Um, and that's, I think, whenever we were pretty much like, oh, okay, well, maybe this game's over. Um, anyways, Miles McBride goes one of two from the line, um, which made the lead 113 to 109. Dallas calls their timeout, their final timeout, and they sub in. Uh, Reggie Bullock and sub out Christian Wood in that scenario uh, where Spencer Dinwiddie pretty much just goes down the floor yeah, and like comes off like, a down screen. He's wide open. He pulls up for three off of a loop in two seconds. Mind yeah, mind you. Um, Luka inbound pass and drains it. Yeah. And just drains a pull up three. Uh, so New York calls their final timeout to advance the ball because again, they know they're about to get fouled um, and they make some subs. We make some subs with Frank Nielakina in the game. Spencer takes his third personal foul and fouls Miles McBride again where Miles McBride again goes one of two from the free throw line to make the lead 114 to 112. And pretty much the Mavericks just had a heave it moment with seven seconds left. And I didn't realize this. I thought New York had a foul to give, but they did not in that scenario. 
So the ball is given with 7.7 seconds left. It's given to Luca, where he pretty much drives all the way to the other side of the floor. And they take and, the foul very timely yeah, at the top of the three-point Quint, line. Quentin Grimes fouls uh, Luka Doncic at the top of the key. And Luca goes two for two at the free throw line to – or no, no, no. He goes one of two for the free line. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he on purposely misses the second. Well, we saw right. JaVale sub in and we were like, yeah, we were like, okay, wait. All game. Yeah. Yeah. And so we pretty much knew what was going to happen. We knew he was going to go in for a tip. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, JaVale made that happen. Uh, I know Luca ended up getting his uh, uh Luca did the, the bulk of the heavy lifting here, but yeah, JaVale got the little tip, tip off of yeah. Luca miss. Luca is able to track his own rebound and one of the most, um, this was like, playoffs uh whenever uh was it russell west no stephen adams had to miss a free yes. throw against the rockets yes. or something like that i mean just one of the most magnificent displays of concentration in all end, in midair in an end of game scenario i've ever seen yeah and uh to see it live was um quite literally probably the coolest moment i've seen at a sporting mm-hmm. events you know admittedly i haven't i've never seen other, a buzzer beater yeah, but... i haven't seen anything like too cool <laughs> but uh you know javel tips it to him and he just basically grabs the ball to thin air perfectly and gets the shot up, um, releases it basically at like, you know, as he's descending, I mean, his foot is literally like a centimeter away from touching the ground and this being called a travel and he releases it and it kind of rattles in and ties the game up. Yeah. And with one second left, Emmanuel quickly is pretty much forced to heave the ball full court. And yeah. It was it. clinked off the backboard. He did get the backboard. Which yeah. I, I was, I saw it. Yeah. yeah. We had like a perfect angle at it and it yeah. didn't look like I, 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 we, we were kind of yeah. like, <laughs> we were very much tentatively paying attention as we were going absolutely berserks at that moment. Um, but well, I, I saw the ball in the midair and I was like, oh, okay, I need to look at this. Yeah. And I saw it hit the backboard. I was like, oh, okay. Bullet dodged. Yeah. So, anyways, Luka Doncic had, uh, he finished 60 points, 21 rebounds, uh, 10 assists. Okay, so they did, um, they did a credit. It, it, was, 21, it was 21. Yeah, it was 21 okay. rebounds. Um, and, I mean, like, amazing. Now, out of all the crazy Wilt Chamberlain stats there is out there, somehow Wilt Chamberlain did not do this, and Luka Doncic becomes the first 60-20-10 in NBA history. And the most points in Mavericks franchise history. Yeah, like, there's so many historic stats that go along yeah, with this I mean, game. Yeah, Tim McMahon tweeted the Mavericks were like – I mean, NBA teams were like, oh, and – 13,884, something insane, like when trailing by nine with, you know, however many, like 30 yeah, seconds left. With like the last 20 seasons or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, Luca, I think the only, the second player ever to get a 60 point triple double, I believe the only other one was Harden. Harden in 2018. Yeah. I mean, this is just bonkers stuff. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, this was insane. And we're really excited to get into the rest of the podcast with you. We'll go over overtime. We'll go over, you know, the whole the whole summation of Luca's performance tonight, how he was getting all these points, how he was attacking the glass, involving his teammates. And then, you know, towards the end of the pod, we'll actually start to maybe cycle in a few other Mavericks performance and um, the lackluster performance and, and just the general flow of yeah. the game, of course, and how the Knicks played this is going to be definitely a more differently structured podcast than you guys are used to in terms of our post-game podcast because, you know, normally we don't even shed too much of a light on Luca because, you know, just like, Oh, Luca's Luca. And I think that's a lot of Mavericks podcasts. Like he's always this stagnant figure and we almost take him for granted at times. Yeah. We don't most times. Yeah. Cause we, we just, when he's so consistently good as he is, it's like, how much more is there to say? Right. But he deserves every bit of praise that, 
we can give him, and that much is shown on a night like tonight. Um, but before we get into all of that, um, obviously this is not apply for you guys on YouTube, but here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaron, so getting into it, we already covered the fourth quarter, of course, in the introduction where we talked about the insane comeback the Mavericks made down nine with, you know, less than 30 seconds left. And, you know, Luca's midair, uh, basically two midair, um, one of which was in the and one and one of which um, ended up, you know, being the offensive rebound where he shot at midair and ended up making the, you know, shot to tie the game at the end of regulation, of course, just two incredibly spectacular midair plays. We got into all that. Let's go ahead and focus on overtime at this point. So, you know, the Mavericks are riding high on this insane momentum that they had just built off of, you know, these this plethora of, you know, Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie plays down the stretch to be able to tie the game. They end up starting with JaVale McGee at the start of overtime. Yeah. Because um, he had played at the very tail end, but they ended up subbing in Dwight Powell, I think, with about three-ish minutes left. Um, you know, the, they actually had a kind of a tough – um, time being able to score uh, both sides of the ball. Um, we saw the Knicks be, you know, they were having a tough time uh, getting anything going. And I believe the Mavericks didn't have any actual field goals till about one minute and nine seconds left when Luca hit a turnaround fade away yeah. over Julius Randle. So how did overtime shape up for the Mavericks and how were they able to, you know, remediate some of the pressure that the Knicks were putting on them? Cause I thought defense was something that really came into effect for the Mavericks in overtime, something that throughout the course of this game, they really did not do a good job of. Yeah, you know, I know the Mavericks, uh, it was sort of like this back and forth free throw battle at one point early on in overtime. Uh, I want to say it was like 116 to 115 for like a solid two minutes. Uh, and finally, Mitchell Robinson, I think it was, um, he goes one of two at the line to tie up the ball game. And then Dallas makes, you know, they outscore the Knicks 120 to 116 in free throws. Um, and pretty much from there, you know, that's whenever the field goal started dropping. Um, but for the Mavericks alone, you know, defense came in handy, uh, which is like the only five minutes of defense throughout this game. I feel like, yeah, um, I know hundred percent because, uh, some of those Mavericks lineups that were out there throughout that first and second half for that matter, oh, were completely abysmal. I mean, just the rotations first off were completely out of sort and the point of attack defense was, in, like just non-existent at times, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, even Luca at times, he, he did, he did have some reconciliation in terms of his defensive effort in the fourth quarter and overtime where, you know, you could tell he was, and that, that's not an indictment upon him. We obviously know he pours everything into what he has to do offensively and plays a ton of minutes. So you can't expect him to be, have to, of course, try that hard on that end all the time, but, you know, he, he was getting blown by. I mean, Christian Wood got blown by a few times. Um, Dwight Powell was getting blown by badly. Yeah. He was getting lost on all his rotations. And, you know, guys were preemptively um, jumping uh, when they would rotate, like, before guys would even, like, get the ball in their hands sometimes. Guys were having really late double teams to the point where it would just create this domino effect of ball movement for the Knicks around the perimeter to where, you know, they could either – get a wide open three or get the ball inside off dribble penetration off of, you know, uh, preemptive closeouts and then find Mitchell Robinson, the dunker spot. So there was just, um, it, it just seemed really 
the like unsynchronized and the Mavericks looked all out of sorts. The personnel wasn't really equipped um, from the Mavericks side, just with the amount of injuries they have, of course, having basically their best three defenders out. I mean, even Reggie Bullock didn't really have that good of a defensive game. He was getting blown by a lot and he was seemingly the Mavericks only wing defender off the bench. So for the Mavericks to really step it up for Christian Wood to, you know, get that block on that corner three that Miles McBride took in overtime um, to really anchor down. And it seemed like the Mavericks just by committee really stepped it up in terms of their defense at the rim in that uh, overtime period, because there were a lot of times where, you know, Quentin Grimes or Julius Randle were getting to the paint, but the Mavericks were able to fortify that back end, even if they didn't necessarily have, you know, rim protectors or the bigs to do so, which I thought was really, you know, I, that, while that's not sustainable, I thought it was really emblematic in terms of the fight of this team. You know, you saw these guys fighting for Luca right after, right there at the end, which um, was really heartening to see. Um, so, you know, I thought that that was a big compelling narrative from overtime, um, as well as what Luca was able to do down the stretch. Did, did you want to detail um, how Luca was kind of able to score in overtime? Because I believe he scored seven more points in overtime. Yeah, he had a, I want to say, yeah, he finished regulation 53 points yeah. uh, and finished the game, of course, with 60. Um, I want to say so majority. He was essentially, uh, how many points did the Mavericks score in overtime? Uh, they scored 11 points in overtime. Now he scored seven out of the 11 yeah. points, I think. Um, my, my memory is leaving me here. I think some. I want to say Christian Wood may have made a two-pointer, and then Spencer had a drive. Christian Wood made two free throws. Remember, he got clobbered. Oh, two free throws. Yeah, ball. that's what it was. Yeah. Spencer. Um, and then, um, yeah, I believe Spencer made two free throws. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think. Yeah, I want to. I think there was only two field goals made. Yeah, one of them was the Lucas. Yeah, Lucas turnaround, and then I think I feel like Spencer had like a, a layup and transition yeah. or something. Here, well, I'll, I'll look it up. But if you want to just detail how Luca um, was able to get to the, you know, despite all you know everything he had done up until this game, having 53 points, you'd think that he would be basically be persecuted, but he just, you know, time and time again, just kept going to the rim. It seemed as if his stamina bar wasn't running out. Like you could tell how gassed oh, yeah. he was and he was applying every single little ounce of effort he had, but he still just kept going. So talk about that and how he was able to keep applying pressure on the rim and overtime. No. Yeah. I mean, Luca did an amazing job from pretty much fourth quarter to through overtime, uh, just really applying as much pressure as he could at the rim. Um, one thing that he would do was, you know, of course he'd get the smaller defender on him through a screen uh, and they'd be for the Knicks would be forced to pretty much switch. So he'd get the smaller defender uh, and, you know, seemingly Luca just had to go down low. Um, and that's whenever he'd pretty much get hacked. It kind of seemed like the Knicks were a little overzealous in overtime. And honestly, I didn't even really realize it, but both teams were they in the were bonus. Insanely physical. Yeah. Um, the Knicks that was like, I mean, they, there were a lot of loose ball fouls, um, mm. you know, Robinson um, started kind of pulling and tugging and you could tell like some of the things he was getting away with earlier on in the game, um, the rest just weren't budging because it was just more egregious in terms of how he was going after some of these rebounds. And that's not to say, I mean, he's an incredible player, of course, but we just saw the Knicks. You could tell that um, they kind of got caught with their pants down. And they, they, were, they were in desperation. They were in desperation. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's why they, you know, we're kind of so frantically going after everything. And it definitely helped the Mavericks free throw case, I thought, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, no, the free throw case for the Mavericks, I want to say throughout pretty much 99% of that game was uh, pretty low. They were missing quite a bit of free throws. 
And, you know, in overtime and late in that fourth quarter was pretty much whenever the Mavericks turned tied. And that's whenever um, I, I want to say the free throw percentage was like 76% from the line for the game for the Mavericks. Um, Luca went 16 of 22. Yeah. He, and so when we get into more of the discussion of how Luca was able to score so much and, you know, do the insane things he did in this game, we'll, we'll obviously talk about his aggression. But I thought that was really uh, – he did really good in terms of that tonight. Yeah, it kind of seemed like as soon as – you know, like you said, it seemed like guys, you know, went out with, hey, Luca's doing this, so let's do it for him. Uh, and that's pretty much what overtime was about. And, you know, through the free throw line, uh, that's how the Mavericks are getting it done. Now, granted, most of it was Luca, um, but he was able to knock down a lot of his free throws. I don't think, I think he may have missed one free throw um, through the whole entire overtime period. Maybe, I don't even know if he missed one. Um, but yeah, you know, that's how the Mavericks are really getting it done. I want to say this is honestly maybe the first game this season where the Mavericks knocked down their free throws as of late to win the game uh or at least where free throws came in clutch for the Mavericks but uh yeah I mean the Mavericks defensively just did an amazing job uh I alluded it to it earlier you know the, the Knicks were just sort of playing desperate uh Miles McBride was what he I think he played like 40 minutes in this game Emmanuel quickly uh, he at one point had like 15 assists and that was like midway through the fourth. He didn't finish with another assist the whole entire game. Uh, I mean, the Mavericks just did a really good job of either because the big problem throughout the whole entire game was the Mavericks were just being too aggressive in the sense that, you know, a guy would get the ball at the top of the three point line. He didn't even have to pump fake and the Mavs would be jumping. Uh, the Mavericks did a really good job of holding their water and actually playing defense for once and not playing overzealous or what did you you said it really well throughout the game um but yeah you know the Mavericks actually like I said played defense and held their water through the whole entire pretty much the end of the fourth quarter and of course overtime yeah no I, I'm having trouble you know trying to figure out what you were alluding to what I was saying during the game I may have to think about that one but uh to your point of course the Mavericks did do a better job of just anchoring down fortifying their team defense this was not a lineup the you know, a lineup of which, you know, the Mavericks were so depth struck in this game where they essentially were playing their starters so heavily, you know, in tandem with really just Reggie Bullock um, that has a lot of defensive versatility. I mean, every single guy in that starting lineup would, um, you know, by general NBA fans, not maybe my Mavericks fans, of course, because we know Luca and we know some of these guys are not just complete negative net negatives and albatrosses on the defensive end, but you know, by the common NBA fan, a lot of the, you know, the five guys in the Mavericks starting lineups would probably be considered net negative defenders. And I mean, that's not an egregious statement or something outlandish to say. And for the Mavericks to still, when the going got tough, these guys recognized what Luca was doing and they were able to fortify the back end and really clutch up when it, when it mattered most and, you know, apply defensive pressure. I mean, the Mavericks, I think went to a zone one time in this game, um, so it's really indicative of these guys just, um, you know, entering another threshold in terms of their defensive intensity and effort, you know, something that may not be realistic or something that, you know, is not going to be sustainable for a Spencer Dinwiddie, a Tim Hardaway Jr., a Christian Wood to be able to do it on a game-to-game -game basis. Um, you know, especially if you just watch this game, you see how badly they got beat off the dribble at times during this game. Right. But I'm sorry, guys, my voice is leaving me we're screaming <laughs> quite a bit, but we ended up seeing how, you know, when it really mattered, you know, we we're like, OK, like 77 is doing this. You know, we really we can't just, you know, be 
pansies and get caught with our pants down. Like we, we got to step up and, you know, while that may not be emblematic of these guys being like a long-term fit or, you know, the idealistic rotational players of Luca or, you know, making this roster, you know, like that didn't like prove that this roster is going to go far in the playoffs or anything like that. It did prove one thing that, these guys, at least in the, you know, this current rendition of this Mavericks team knows what they have in Luca. They value it and they're going to fight for him. And that much was, um, you know, largely impressive to me, um, especially in that fourth quarter. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think, yeah, through overtime, I mean, that was just pure fight from the Mavericks uh, in which I think that they showed, they showed me at least, I know they showed you um, that, I mean, this team actually has some fight because it seems like throughout multiple cases through this season, this team just seemingly gives up. Uh, and there's only one guy that doesn't, and that's Luca. Well, tonight it was a different case. You know, Luca, of course, didn't give up, but the guys around him finally pretty much buckled up their pants and were like, okay, like, let's do this thing. Let's win this game. And they did. No, yeah, 100%. And it was a, it was quite the sight to behold. And um, needless to say, it was very good the Mavericks pulled this one out in overtime because it would have been – basically just complete and utter you know fluctuation of (laughs) my aortic valves and my blood would have been pumping at like unknown rates throughout the entire time as it was thank god i was able to settle after they were able to win so uh, i'm just happy that they they came through in the end there was nothing really wildly spectacular besides luke hitting that 60 point marker in overtime we you know, he clutched up and made his free throws. I got to give it to him. There were a couple of times where the MVP chance came in and he, he, missed, missed, him, yeah. he missed the first one. But, you know, when the going got tough, he made the most important free throws. The ones to get him to 50 and the ones to get him to 60. So what are you going to say at that point, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so anyhow, um, let's go ahead and get into Luca's individual performance. You know, something that we want to shed the light on the most in this podcast, of course. How was he able to score in this game? You know, this Knicks defense, you know, they obviously have Quentin Grimes as their – main point of attack defender you have robinson who you know i think a lot of guys driving to the rim you know perpetually are scared of yeah trying to go up against him um outside of that though you know they don't have a ton of defensive versatility in that starting lineup rj barrett he ended up getting out early in this game with a right index finger laceration after luca tried poking the ball from behind on him and he was bleeding really bad so he was out of the game in the first quarter He's about an average defender. Um, Julius Randle's roughly an average defender, yeah. sometimes a below average Some, defender. Sometimes an above average defender. Sometimes above average <laughs> That's, very true. That's a very good descriptor of him. Um, and then, you know, they have some, you know, interesting guys in like McBride and stuff off the bench. But, you know, besides Quentin Grimes, they really don't have that, you know, defensive anchor, right? And they weren't doing anything schematically. You know, Tibbs is a notorious as a, great defensive coach, but they weren't doubling Luca. They were, they were kind of deferring to him, trying to make the other guys beat him. And it, I mean, the strategy was working for them for a while. They were kind of just letting Luca score as much as he wanted. And Mavericks continually claimed three point shots, but Luca took it to another level to where they just mm. didn't matter in this game in those latter, uh, those, the latter half of that for fourth quarter. Right. And that's something that, you know, I don't think we've ever seen him really take it. You know, we've, we've seen, greatness from Luca, but the level that he that was, went to tonight um we'd never really seen so i just want you to kind of detail how Luca was scoring um particularly you know in that fourth quarter second half and you know in the first half as well obviously yeah so i think the 
really the main defender on that starting five for the Knicks, uh, at least on Luka, was definitely Quentin Grimes. We saw him on Luka the most. Uh, the Mavericks, I will definitely say they did a really good job. And I know the Dicks, the, the Knicks did an amazing job of um, getting mismatches too. But the Mavericks did a really good job of, you know, when when it did matter, uh, they got the the needed switches on Luka. So Luka was basically able to take control of these mismatches, uh, whether it be Julius Serving or not Julius Serving. Wow, that was a oh, Randall. That was <laughs> whether it be Randall, um, Miles McBride, or even Emmanuel Quickly at times. Um, you know, Luca, of course, going to work down low on these uh, sort of smaller defenders. And then whenever it was Julius Randle, he was just he was able, able to, to use the post to his yeah. advantage. But I mean, Luca, I mean, he was pinpointing his mismatches, like you said, by using, you know, the pick and roll to manipulate yeah. who he was getting on him. Of course, even Spain pick and rolls at times. Yeah, we saw, we saw, multiple we saw of those. You know, two. Yeah, we saw, we'd see, you know, two defenders shift on him, you know, throughout a little sequence there, uh, throughout stretches in this game. But, you know, that's what I talked about at the top of the podcast when I talked about how meticulously this guy plays basketball. There's not guys who, you know, have such a mental, um, you know, stronghold in terms of how they operate possession by possession by possession and just don't turn that switch off. He's smart every single play offensively to a degree that's unknown. I mean, even sitting at the nosebleeds, there were a couple passes that he was able to make um, when the defense would collapse on him inside, um, you know, might have like, you know, failed pick and rolls or things of that nature to where he was able to get to the corner. And, you know, I kid you not, like the defense shifted to the strong side as the ball was in midair. There was a pass to Reggie Bull. Reggie Bull yeah, ended up miss, yeah. missing the three. But the defense shifted to the strong side. And he just foresaw this, that it was going to happen. It shifted to the strong side as the ball's in midair. We didn't even see it coming. Yeah. And then, you know, the, obviously the, there was a pass in that first quarter where he was able to pass it to Reggie Bullock and he made a three um, where, you know, the defense collapsed on him. Uh, Reggie Bullock's man came in, of course. And, you know, just midair, um, he has the ball and essentially just, like, without looking, chucks it behind him perfectly on target for Reggie Bullock for a three. I mean, just the uh, the offensive intangibles from this guy are otherworldly. There's, I mean, humans shouldn't have a sixth sense in basketball, but this guy does. Yeah. And, I mean, it's truly special to watch. And, you know, just the way, like, he was pinpointing mismatches, I think, was what I really wanted to harp on. I mean, he, yes, he was taking advantage in the post game, but – he was just getting to the rim at will. No, I mean, I it mean, didn't matter. It, it, even if uh, Randall was Whether it be him. a floater or a bank shot, and he was making everything seemingly. Yeah. Um, just using his strength. I mean, whoever he got on him, it was Randall. He'd blow by him a little quicker and then stop, you know, use his body to shield. I mean, he we, you know, I don't talk about enough of just in terms of how he uses his body to shield against defenders. He, he rarely ever gets blocked. And, you know, you figure a guy like Luca, who, you know, he's, he's athletic, of course, but he's not the, um, you know, penultimate NBA athlete or anything like that. Right. But he's able to just shield off guys. I mean, you almost rarely ever see him get blocked. He got blocked one time by Mitchell Robinson. Oh, yeah, by Mitchell Robinson, who really had is like an elite shot. Yeah. Outstretched yeah. the absolute heck out of his arms to get to. And I mean, you know, whether it was a smaller guy, he'd post him up and get into the paint. Um, bigger guy, you know, take him off the dribble, get a floater inside the lane. And I mean, you know, 10 assists basically all virtue of dribble penetration and kicking out with 
just some insane jump passes. And he attacked the glass like an absolute monster, led the Mavericks rebounding with 21 rebounds. 21. In a game where it seemed like the Mavericks bigs failed to step up, especially in that first half, you know, we saw Christian Wood and Dwight Powell really go after the get after the glass in that fourth quarter and overtime with Christian Wood. But I mean, admittedly, like they did not, they seemed very laxed yeah. and, you know, going after some of these rebounds and Lucas stepped up and said, you know, he, he got onto them a few times, even you could see him on the court, like he was yelling at them, but he went and took that, you know, for lack of a better term, he went and took that shit for himself and he got 21 rebounds in this game. Um, you know, and I mean, he was making his step backs too. Yeah. This is the way he was getting into his step backs. They felt so rhythmic and smooth. You know, sometimes we feel like he's forcing them at, at times, but in this game, like he, you know, it didn't really matter how outstretched an arm was from a defender or anything like that. So long as he, you know, had his dribble size up and combo down pat and he was ready to shoot it, you could tell like when the rhythm's right, that step back's going in. No, I about yeah. it. Here, I want to see how many uh, three-pointers he shot because I'm actually not sure. But Yeah, it, it felt like a bulk of his points were coming inside. Yeah, like Luca, this is – I mean, he picked – yeah, he only shot six three-pointers. And, tonight. I mean, you know, well, it's been more, you know, I guess less of a trend this year. You know, when it was warranted and the defense would collapse inside and the perimeter defense for the Knicks um, was rotating well enough, you know, Luca took advantage – of the superstar shot is, yeah. you know, I would want to call it. That's the mid-range jump shot, in my opinion. Um, basically being able to get to a shot wherever you want to at any time. Something that's you can contest, but you can't necessarily defend. That something that only the top players in this game really take. We saw that in overtime with that shot over Julius Randle. We saw it a few times on some like tough floaters, um, you know, in mid-range shots within regulation. Yeah. Um, we really saw the full dynamism of a three-level score who can rebound, you know, monstrously just using his body position. He's like I said, this goes down to how meticulous he is on, you know, the offensive and defensive glass. He's getting all these rebounds because he's so smart in terms of where the ball is going to come off. And he knows exactly how to use, you know, that 230, 240 pound frame to be able to shield guys off, regardless if they have some height, a height advantage on him. And I mean, he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with, you know, in a, in a player, unlike I think we've ever seen in NBA uh, history. Without a doubt. I think, I mean, not even being biased here, I think he might be one of the most talented offensive players in NBA history, if not the t- most talented offensive player in NBA history. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the way that uh, this guy, I think it's fair to say that he's an elite rebounder. I mean, there, who is, what three level scores are so good at all three levels not <laughs> while also being probably the best passer in the league right now nobody um i mean actually nobody i, I, mean, I can't you 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 know it's it, he's basically like a mix of magic johnson and larry bird like is from any sort of descriptor or imagination that you could ever surmise like that would be basically the only sort of comparison i could LeBron James to this last week is like the only comparable guy this season. Yeah, but you know, the only reason I refrain from the LeBron thing is just because he his athleticism yeah, he's transcends just... Luca's. But that, you know, and, and I'm not trying to say Luca's the best player. Well, I mean, like, hold back a little bit. <laughs> I'm not saying he's the GOAT. I'm not saying that he is better all time than Dirk or that he's the best Maverick of all time. But I mean, a franchise record, 60 points in this game. Um, I mean, we talked about it at the top of the pod, just the records he broke 
I mean, this is, you know, as Jeff Van Gundy, Gundy as Jeff Van Gundy denoted to Dirk in that 2011 playoff series, um, he said, this is legendary stuff we're seeing. And it's really, you know, Jalen Brunson didn't even play tonight. It wasn't even the revenge return game or anything. He had a nice tribute video. Boo-hoo. Right? <laughs> okay. But for the most part, this is a random December 27th game, a couple days after Christmas. But, I mean, you know, I'd be remiss to say that this is not legendary stuff that we're seeing right now. Oh, without a doubt. I think this could possibly go down as – well, this has gone down so far as of December 27th as Luka Doncic's greatest game and maybe even minus like game two or game three um, yeah. as like one of the greatest games ever played in Dallas Maverick history. Um, I mean, it's probably a top top five. It's a top 2025 game in NBA history. history yeah. Single yeah. game performance. Yeah. In NBA history is probably top 20, top 25. Um, I mean, in the last decade, when was the last time we've seen a performance like this? And oh, by the way, Devin Booker did this, but or he scored seventy points, but he oh, lost. They lost. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. We have to always throw a little sun, sunshade in there. Um, I'm trying to look up how many times LeBron has scored sixty because I think it's I'm, really just that one time against the Bobcats yeah. or the Hornets, whatever it was. I think it was the Bobcats at the time. Yeah. Um, LeBron only has one, one game with sixty plus points, and. Um, it was on the heat in like 2013. Yeah, it was against the Bobcats in 2014. 14. Okay. 61. Yeah. yeah that, it wasn't I mean, regulation. I will say, admittedly, Lucas did come in overtime. So we have to add seven that points, but still. Yes. I mean, he also had a triple double on top of it. He did have a triple double. Yeah. That was the first first ever, you know, we mentioned it again, but first ever 6, 20, and 10 triple double in NBA history. Uh, yeah. Of course. I mean, we don't know what Wilt was doing back in the day because of some of those. Yeah. Some of those sets. Track. Yeah. But in the modern NBA, it was indeed. It's the first one. Um, I, you know, I just think this could have been the greatest game or greatest single feat maybe since, I mean, maybe since Kobe's 80-point game. I, like, it I don't know. I mean, it could be. Season-wise, because I think playoffs have another tier to them because of the level of intensity in those games. Yeah. And, you know, how – high stakes they are i think that playoffs enters another tier when you have you know like if you was to do this like in the playoffs that would have you oh. know, a whole nother tier of greatness of course yeah. right? um you know me prior to this me and jaron had both agreed that Kawhi leonard's 45 point game against the mavericks in game six of the 2021 uh western conference quarterfinals that was, was the greatest performance that we've seen perform- individual performance we'd ever yeah. seen and I would say that this was better than that by far. If even that was in, that was in the playoffs, it was and in that the was, playoffs. They were down three to two. They were but, down three to two. It kept them alive, but it wasn't a closeout game. No, it wasn't another round or two. It, there would be an argument to be made if it was like the, West the second Conference was, finals, yeah. mm-hmm. but it was the first round of the playoffs. And I mean, just um, the you know the level of concentration it has, you know, it takes to be able to have this type of game where you're just there's not a dull moment that is, I mean, truly emblematic in his game greatness. And I mean, I mean, you kind of got the, did you kind of get a sense that he could almost do maybe like average 40 if he played enough minutes every game, if he was just, you know, I'm I'm not saying it would be sustainable by any stretch of the imagination, but Luca played the whole second half. We saw Jason Kidd in peak desperation mode 
you know, obviously this is not something that you want to do. Most long, the, long run long, wise, no, but, yeah. means, but <laughs> we saw, you know, he did not want the Mavericks to have their three game win streak snapped by a Brunson and Barrettless Knicks team uh, that saw, you know, Quentin Grimes carrying the load heavily and the Mavericks were completely dead in the water. I mean, Jason Kidd was trying anything. And I, I that's the first time since he's been a coach that I've seen him ride Luca. Um, maybe I'm sure he's done it in the playoffs, but in a regular season game to ride him the whole, whole entire fourth quarter, whole entire second, second half. half. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It really was the whole entire second half. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, heck, even to make the adjustment and granted it wasn't a great adjustment, but of starting Christian Wood and Dwight Powell, like I don't think we've ever seen this done by um, Jason mid. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Just, uh, I, I, I'm not even going to, talk about that because it wasn't good it was not good that's the first time though that we've seen and even you know writing javel at the start of overtime like i don't know i think he's at least opened his head up a little more so. yeah i i will say like when javel javel actually had a couple productive minutes of the he game did. overtime because he was able to just stand pat and hold robinson down for a few minutes which bought time for when Powell got back in the game and i honestly wish they would have kind of kept javel in just in terms of the um flow of the game right um not saying that JaVale is better than Dwight I would obviously prefer Dwight in most scenarios but just based on how the game was going and Robinson's length and you know verticality I, I kind of wish they would have kept JaVale but that's obviously critiquing micro critiquing a 60 point triple double and nine points in 26.7 second comeback I mean most insane it's the most points ever scored at the AAC even by opposing players never scored hey was this the best game of the year well, no, okay, this wasn't the best game of the year. It was this best Mavs game of the year? This was the best Mavs yeah, game. Okay. Of the year. <laughs> I, was like, I would title that the podcast, but I think Luca's individual performance deserved it. Well, deserving of yes. more. Um, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that we've harped on him enough, but I, I just am at a loss of words at this point. I don't, I don't really know. You know what what's, to say. you know what's amazing is, I, I, I would feel pretty safe to title this the best Mavericks game of the year. Um, yeah. And the fact of the matter is that this didn't even feel like a basketball game or like a good basketball game until probably 30 seconds left in this game. No. Yeah. It's, it's, it's single-handed <laughs> the best game of the year purely because of number 77. Yeah. Purely yeah. Um, without his 60 point 20 rebound uh, Tennessee. No way in hell they win. this. No, no way. Yeah. No way that he, in a game where the Mavericks scored 126 points, he basically accounted for nearly half of the points just in terms of, scoring yeah scoring yeah if we're talking about assisting um, and what's the stat called um yeah points accounted for whatever it is i mean he would account for more than yeah more than half more yeah. than half i mean that's what what would his uh truly unprecedented stuff his usage rate be in this game probably like uh, transcendent yeah <laughs> through the roof i mean this guy's a transcendent talent you just don't you just don't see this happen no i mean i i the last time that there's even something similar to this was Harden Houston. I get the whole heliocentrism argument, but heliocentrism or not, you, you, it's can, you can run the Thunder uh, are fairly heliocentric. I mean, SGA is basically the primary ball handler on that team. I mean, yes, they have guys that can supplement just kind of as the Mavericks do, but I mean, you don't see him doing this. No, I mean, I mean he has some insane games. I'm not discrediting him by any means. I'm not trying to make this a comparison by any means. I'm just saying, like, this is um, an uber-talented guy in Luka Doncic here who is in a class by himself in terms of guys that can have a performance like this. I, and, I think you know, in there, terms there, of – There may be guys, like I said before you go, 
that may be more deserving of the MVP. Yes, if you yes. want to make that argument, but he, you can't argue that he might be the best player in the world or at least top three. No, yeah, that's the thing. I, I was going to say he's by far the most offensively gifted um, player in the NBA by a large margin. I think you can make an argument for Jokic, but I think that argument was pretty much squashed after tonight. Uh, but even still, because uh, Jokic can't. The the only reason I don't, you know, I would say that he transcends Jokic, and I was probably even on this position before, yeah. Um, this game is just because Jokic, you know, you know, he can to an extent, but he can't. You can't just give him the ball that the end of the game at the top of the key and be like, all right, go go win me this shit, you know? Yeah, like, like Luka, you can't just like yeah. go boom 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 boom, you know you know, have a ton of size ups between the legs and get to his spot and win the game. I mean, you can, as long as you get him the ball in the right position to start the possession, but you know, you can't just give Jokic the ball at half court and, you know, go expect him to, you know, dribble into a 30 footer or heave or whatever. He's just not that type of player, which is not an indictment upon him, but you know, I'm not, and the Nuggets are really good. And I think Jokic can be the best player on a championship team. I want to dispel the narrative for any of people. Yeah, if any, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, who really thinks that, but. But I'm just saying they have other guys to supplement because, you know, who's going to take the, you know, Jokic may take the last shot in a game so long as they have a play, play drawing up for him. But just to make things up at a thin air, they're going to go like Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. MPJ, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think in terms of that, Luca's by far the most gifted player in gifted offensive player and i, I think NBA history like I, I mean james harden i you know james harden i think at his peak at his peak even still at luka Doncic right now which can you make an argument i don't know this? i mean jokic is up there of course too yeah well jokic is of course up there and, and um, you, you make make please make sense of our terms here we are not saying best we're saying most talented gifted i'm not saying that luka has transcended lebron yeah, or Michael yeah. Jordan in terms of his all-time offensive talent, but like just in terms of his God-given abilities and what and and what he's worked for, of course. Well, you know, KD's got to be in that conversation. Yeah, too. I was about to say like Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, they, that's a provocative discussion. We can keep going there. on and on, but but he, he's he's up there. We're not saying he's he's the best, for, but he's up there. Yeah. Needless to say, as I was getting back to my point, if Luca isn't top three after these two 50 plus performances uh in three games then or top three in uh, mvp discussion yeah. then we're gonna go right so because I mean, he's been he's been carrying the mavericks i mean i get that there have been some stretches where he hasn't maybe had you know a 30 point triple double every night but he's still been a consistent a plus player every single night and yeah I, I just for the most part and it's it's very bogus to me that he's not at least in that top three threshold as he's, he's tied for seventh fell off right you know, now after after tonight i mean keep in mind he did this following a player of the week yeah I mean, following a player of the week yeah he should win player of the month this month i, I don't see why he doesn't um uh i mean i'm not gonna say enough with luca but you know i just don't know where else to go we could go for hours talking about him as <laughs> i've seen here so you know i guess we'll go ahead and deviate to you know, sort of the rest of the game as we've covered Luca at nauseum here. You know, this we won't shed too much of a light on this as like we usually do, but you know, we'll definitely cover it for sure. Um, who are some other guys that stepped up tonight for the Mavericks, in your opinion? Because you know, guys played really sparingly off the bench. Reggie Bullock played 26 minutes, barring him. 
we saw 14 minutes from Davis, six minutes from McKinley Wright, uh, a little under three minutes for um, JaVale McGee, uh, six minutes for Frank, uh, about five minutes for Kemba. And that's really it. I mean, it was a very thin rotation tonight. And the starters essentially played a bulk of the minutes for the Mavericks. What did you like and what did you not like from the Mavericks rotation players tonight? Yeah, so the Mavericks pretty much, I mean, they ran that five-man starting five lineup for probably, Huge I mean, heck, the 40 minutes, I would say, or close to, not close. All of those guys got 40-plus minutes yeah. except for Dwight Powell. Who got, who got 30. 30. Just because yeah. he was, you were, they went to some single big lineups with Wood yeah. at times, so they could kind of intertwine them, but they did play together quite a bit as well. Yeah, I, I would say some of the guys that really stuck out to me was, uh, I go, I'll go half. Uh, first half, Christian Wood. Second half, Christian well, let's, Wood was. Let's do, let's do guys that stuck out to you for negative reasons. Oh, first. negative. Okay. And then we'll go positive reasons. The whole bench. Um, <laughs> what? they? I think they totaled for nine points this game. Um, yeah. Yeah, Reggie Bullock was like one of seven from three-point line. Let me look that up. I, I'm pretty, yeah, one of seven. Yeah, um, he, he shot seven field goals. They were all threes. It, it, it was a regression to the to the Reggie Bullock of November. November. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know where it came from, but he just could not shoot for the life of him tonight. He At was, least he made the one important one. Luca should that, have had like seventeen yeah. assists tonight because mm-hmm. these were wide open threes. He made he made the one off the coolest pass that Luca made, so we'll yeah. give him that credit. But I think that was the first one, one he shot. I mean, too. I guess we right. He did, and. It, you know, subsequently, we see, like, when his threes aren't going in, his defense starts to um, falter at the other end. And he was getting blown by quite a bit by yeah. Grimes and McBride. and Even quickly. Even like, yeah, even Derrick Rose got by him yeah, Derek, for, yeah. like, off a closeout one time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was kind of a rough scene for him. But uh, nonetheless, it, you know, it kind of was what it was. Uh, I guess we write this off as a one-off since he's had, had a good stretch recently. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you would like to get more from him. Kemba, I mean, he just didn't really have like too much of an opportunity. Yeah, I was like, I didn't really see. Him. Um, they just didn't run with him much. You know, they played him very sparingly until they went with McKinley Wright. You know, trying to micromanage that knee. More power to them. I mean, he had, you know, he just really didn't do much. He got a little bit of a balling on the opportunity. Had a good attack, and that was really it. Maybe would have liked to see a little more of him, but you know, if they can conserve the knee for when it matters, I'm all here for that. Frank did a good job. He came in and played some solid defense, but that was about it. He, he came off a, D, a DHO off a curl oh, yeah. off. Yeah. And he, he shot a mid range jump shot that went kind of in and out, but it was a kind of odd game for him. Besides that, he just played some, you know, I, this is maybe a game where as good as some of the guys for the Knicks were doing, I would have liked to see a little more Frank just from a defensive aspect. Defensive aspect, yeah. Um, but he didn't really do much offensively. Davis got fouled on a three pointer. He made two out of his three free throws, and then he made one three in this game. Um, you know, he's going to have his games where he shoots really hard. He'll have his games where he just shoots okay. This is one of the ones where he shot okay, but, you know, oh, he was outright <laughs> on defense. Yeah. There are some times where he's able to kind of recover a little bit when he gets blown by and is able to kind of strip a guy from behind. But uh, tonight he looked like a lost puppy and like a winter wonderland essentially. And like with the like the winter warlock was running after him the whole time because I mean on the defensive side that, <laughs> that guy was, was just running around. Um but and to, he, like to the Knicks credit, they got you know the switches that they needed and pretty much it seems like they did they, yeah, also you, it seems like pretty Randall much Randall hunted him yeah. a lot. Randall <laughs> was taking his ass to the basket. I mean, it was him and Tim Hardaway Jr. worked too. 
what I call saloon door theater. I mean, it was a show of the wild, wild west tonight. <laughs> Her asses just went, I mean, they just escorted everybody to the bar. Here, come get, you know, whiskey for $5. Like, it was, Julius Randall was having a stare down with the basket. So yes. <laughs> it was, it was uh, I mean, it was awful. Dwight Powell, uh, another defensive monstrosity pretty much up until yes. overtime. Like, yes. <laughs> he just couldn't stay with anybody. Like, yeah, it was, he was getting lost all the time and, you know, we I talk a lot about Dwight's inability to flip his hips. Anytime you got a small on him, instant blow by. No. And of course, you know, he had a hard time containing Mitchell Robinson. But um, while this guy did recover good in the second half, I, I think that we, you know, we can't completely um, expel Christian Wood of, of blame here because, you know, well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough ass, but there were some times where he just looked kind of really non-effortish under the glass trying to defend Robinson when yeah. he got to his spot in the dunker spot. He wasn't even doing a good job, like, trying to front him. You kind of just no. let him do whatever. Um, you know, We even the, saw Jericho Sims do a, a lot of rebounding. Yeah. Least, yeah like, and he's – I mean, I, I get he has an insane vertical, Jericho Sims that is, but he's the same height as Christian Wood. I at least hope that he's a rookie. You know, Christian Wood could use some of his intangibles, box out a little yeah. bit better on him. But, but he, he – you know, he gets a free pass because I felt like he righted himself enough in the second half. Yeah, he yeah. Um, To where it was okay. Um, it kept me right. Came in. You know, he did he handle the ball a little bit. Got a nice assist. Uh, some nice dribble penetration. But just he really didn't play enough. I thought he played really good defense in his six minutes. So, um, you know, we already talked about JaVale in overtime. Um, that was basically the whole bench. Yeah, that was yeah. – it was uh, – yeah, like yeah. they pretty much ran with the starters. Yes. Like the whole game. No, I agree. Um, Minus the 26 minutes of Reggie Bullock. Exactly. I want you to kind of detail how Spencer was able to get some of his points tonight because he had 25 in this game, but obviously completely overshadowed by Luca. And, you know, we're not going to obviously talk about Luca at this point because we've already, you know, beat a dead horse with how much <laughs> we've um, talked about his 60 point, 21 rebound, 10 assist performance. Uh, how was Spencer able to help in this game? Because he wasn't necessarily getting to the rim a whole lot outside of a few possessions in that fourth quarter. I thought really it was his shooting that uh, mm-hmm. really carried the loads. And I mean, he only went three for eight from three, but went four for four from the line. Um, what, how did, what did you like from him tonight? Yeah, Spencer, I, I mean, I want to say entering that fourth quarter, he had like 11 points. Uh, of course, he finished the game with 25. He was able to really pick up the bulk of the offense at times whenever Luca was pretty tired up until late fourth quarter and pretty much the whole entire overtime period. Um, you know, Spencer, <clears throat> he was the guy that was able to, at times, he pretty much uh, forced the Mavericks to kick into high gear and transition. He got some he easy bucks. jettison yeah. a lot of transition opportunities. Yeah. So that's a good point. And he was able to get Wood involved in transition a few times. Mm-hmm. He was doing a really good job pushing the ball. He was getting out running. Tim was able to find him on some outlet passes Yeah, to where he was able to just pull up for threes or um, use that ability to get to the rim and penetrate and then find some open threes in transition to which a lot of Mavericks weren't really knocking down No, yeah. Um, in that first half. But that's really what impressed me the most because, you know, we've seen him, um, you know, act as that secondary playmaker in the half court, of course, but, and, and you know, he'll get out in transition, but he really made it an, uh, a point to push the tempo tonight. No, he did. He did. Uh, I want to say he had maybe six of his points or four of his points just off of himself alone pushing the court. Yeah. uh spencer again you know got luca transition yeah he did get point. yeah and we don't see those a whole lot no. um now spencer really picked up his shooting in that fourth quarter in yeah. overtime uh not even overtime pretty much the whole entire fourth quarter yeah um 
and that's where we saw the bulk of Spencer's offense, and it came in, yeah. you know, really handy. And it, it opened up his drives. I mean, he had a yeah. few, he had probably like three or four layups uh, solely in that fourth quarter, just based off the, uh, you know, his sheer quickness and single dribble moves and what have you, manipulating the pick and roll. But it was in no small part due to him getting kind of hot from outside yeah. and the defense having to respect it. And they, you could tell like when they started to play up on him, you know, Grimes, he was able to get past him a lot easier than he was at the start of the game. Had Spencer, I think had Spencer would have had 30 or if he would have had what 30, this probably would have been the first 60, 30 game from a duo. Um, yeah. Uh, that would have been, been pretty cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, you know, Spencer, I think he did an amazing job. Uh, you know, again, a quiet 25 points and that's saying a lot only because uh, Luca had 60, of course, but with that being said, I really liked what Spencer did. Spencer did, um, you know, again, pushing the transition. Pretty much a lot of the times that the Mavericks were in transition, it was him handling the ball at those times. Uh, again, you know, as you alluded to, he got Christian Wood involved a lot in that transition offense. And he was really, I, I think, in terms of just transition offense alone, he he was able to pick up a huge load for Luca. No, 100%. Uh, I It was quietly like one of his better games of the season, but, you know, was going to go completely under the radar for mass fans but so i i hope he gets you know his due credit there christian wood in this game he had 19 and 9 he was he had like 14 points midway through the second quarter he was doing a good job you know he was rolling hard to the basket but mitchell robinson and jericho sims they stood pat i i thought that the mavericks really had a hard time catalyzing pick and roll opportunities for him there was only maybe i can count on like one hand um, times where him or Dwight got like an easy lob. I think one of them, they maybe got one each. Yeah, one each. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I mean, Dwight, yeah, Dwight only had those two points. He he was kind of doing a whole lot of nothing on offense. When his rolling becomes redundant and uh, the opposing team centers can drop back and, you know, that really limits him. He, he shot a corner three, which was. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that was horrendous. Um, <laughs> I think that's the first attempt at three, maybe yeah. all year. And he used to shoot a little bit. Yeah, like, he did. Yeah. Back when we were just dead in the water. Remember that days. January stretch like a few years ago where he was actually like making no, 40%? It's, it's his April stretch. Oh, it was April. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was that's January. His April the White Powell, where he just becomes an all star <laughs> before the playoffs. Apparently, there's games where you start questioning who is this guy. But, yeah. Uh, he hasn't really tapped into that post AC or post Achilles. Um, but, anyways, <clears throat> I thought Christian Wood did a really good job of, you know, he made a few threes. The pick and pop really started to get um, going there because Robinson was obviously hesitant to come out to that three-point line. So Dinwiddie and Luca did a good job of involving him in that manner. Um, and then he was able to take advantage of some mismatches a few times, get to the rim, uh, get to the foul line a few times. But the Mavericks seemingly just didn't involve him in the offense yeah. the second half until overtime, which I thought was very odd. I mean, he ended up finishing with 19 points, but I think the Mavericks maybe could have reduced and alleviated the stress of this game a little bit if they would have involved him more that would have definitely been more of a critique had we lost this game as to why they just went away from involving him because he didn't get a lot of touches in that second half it's not like he was getting doubled I mean I I understand Luca was you know having a lot of self-isolation attempts but um it just seemed as if like he was kind of just be using as this ploy in the paint kind of rotating from the dunker spot um, sometimes just kind of standing in the corner, yeah. essentially acting as a guy in the five out offense, you know, sometimes in those two big lineups where Powell was, um, you know, he, he would either, you know, the Mavericks were playing five out with him as the only, you know, sole big or Powell in the middle and he was still on the wing. It was almost like, you know, the Mavericks were 
you know, they were running a lot of like kind of pick and pops with their wings and their guards, like Bullock or Dinwiddie, just to try and hunt mismatches for Luca and to which he would try to, you know, penetrate and then kick. And it just wasn't like a lot of like direct wood uh, mismatch hunting or, or, um, you know, isolation attempts for him or involvement in the pick and roll and pick and pop for whatever reason, it didn't even seem like the Knicks were doing anything special to stop that. So I think that that's an adjustment that the Mavericks need to start looking at. Like there, there seems to be stretches throughout, you know, parts of this year where we just see Wood become non-involved and a non-factor all of a sudden. But I think that needs to change. Like he has to, you know, I'm not saying being a primary focus, he shouldn't, you know, subject himself to, you know, distract the flow of the offense, but mm-hmm. they should make it a point to get him the ball, especially when they're like dead in the water, especially when he hasn't got many touches and, you know, he could definitely provide a little offensive spark. I just don't see why they don't do that more, but, you know, nonetheless, it ended up working out. Um, lastly, in terms of Mavericks players in this game, um, let's talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. Went four for 15 in this game. Um, let me see what he shot from three. It was probably atrocious. three eleven from three. So this was the, you know, sort of regression Tim Hardaway game after yeah. Christmas where he shot the heck out of the ball. You kind of expected this, that he was going to – he was getting good looks. Uh, no. Just Some. Some. He had a couple duds. Yeah. <laughs> Jaron is really hard on Tim. You know, I, I, I kind of come to expect when Tim's going to have his negative and versus his positive regression games. But, you know, Jaron, Jaron just can't stand him at times when he does, yeah, you know, the – either the oh no no yes shots or the oh no 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 shots you know so uh what did what did you think of tim hardaway's juniors performance tonight but i I will say this was there have been some stretches where um tim has actually been able to you know not be any sort of defensive stopgap for this team but he's been able to hold his own a few times throughout the stretch particularly when his shooting is going good uh, tonight was not an example. No, that, a... that was I. I mean, he just couldn't stay within. I mean, it, it almost seemed as if Tim did a better job. Like, like he was making a conscious effort to stay away from people. Like <laughs> he whoever was... his man was, he he just said, "Eh, screw it. I don't want to close that." I mean, I seen a meme getting passed out around on NBA uh, Instagram recently. It's like when Tim was playing for the Knicks, there was a transition three opportunity. And like a ref, like ended up sliding down the court. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he just calls him safe. <laughs> he doesn't even try to get like contest a shot when he was in a good position to do so. I mean, defense is just not the man's calling card, but you know, couple that with a bad shooting night. Um, Tim had like a, a couple like weird attacks where he like basically had two guys contest on him in the paint and he yeah. just shot it anyways and missed. So it was a bad Tim Hardaway Jr. game, but. You know, I would harp on it a lot more, but on a night like this, I mean, shit, it's yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll harp on him a little more defensively. Tim Hardaway. I know there was a, a point. I want to say it was Miles McBride. Like basically, all he had to do, Miles McBride was on the opposite corner three, and he drove through like the painted area. And I don't know what Tim Hardaway was doing, but he just stopped in the paint and was just looking at the basket pretty much after a shot went up. Mm-hmm. And I went, I think Mitchell Robinson got a rebound and Miles McBride is wide open behind him. And it was an easy mid-range shot. Uh, that's just really indicative of what Tim Hardaway's defense was tonight. But nonetheless, Tim Hardaway, uh, he took some really bad threes. I know, you know, sometimes his shots just not falling. He was taking some good ones to his credit. And Tim Hardaway, I think is probably like, the biggest player in the NBA where 
if you really look at his jump shot, you could tell if it's going in or not. Yeah, and, just in terms of how you can speak. Yeah, and that's that's really what I was looking at tonight. Uh, the shots that did fall, they looked really clean. And the shots that – or I guess most of the shots that didn't fall, it was just – I mean, it rushed, honestly. And that's kind of what his problem has been, at least early on in the season, when he was, he was just rushing too many shots. Uh, but, you know, tonight – definitely more of a negative regression game or negative regression game in terms of what he shot towards Christmas. But with that being said, um, you know, hopefully he can pick it up. You know, he shot, he scored like 32 points against Houston last time. And I want to say we play Houston again. So it'll be the total Tim Hardaway game coming up against a bad team where, you know, maybe Luca doesn't play. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I think there's definitely, you know, whenever Tim's shot is falling, his defense correlates, and this was not the case tonight. So, no, for 100%. You know, now that we covered everybody, I guess we'll go kind of like some uh, sort of team narratives and how the Mavericks, you know, fended against the Knicks and what the Knicks were able to do tonight that really put pressure on the Mavericks. Um, you know, the Knicks really didn't have anybody that really made a huge impact off the bench. D Rose and Hartenstein kind of played sparingly, uh, provided a little bit of a spark, but each of them. Um, wasn't too heavily involved in the rotation. Jericho Sims in 13 minutes came and got eight rebounds. Like you said, he was doing a really good job fortifying the paint. Um, but outside of that, he only had like really one dunk. Miles um, McBride had 14 points. He he went one for nine from three and four for 14 from the field. So he had a really rough shooting night. But just his how stylistically he plays, he's like this. He's just a perfect like off ball guard yeah. who also can guard one through three at the end of the other end, you know, despite only being like six two. like really like his game. He has a little bit of everything. Like he's not, he's not this, you know, like distinguished secondary playmaker, but he has some playmaking elements and shot creation elements to his game. Also kind of a spot up shooter, also a good defender, also a guy who, you know, is going to just intangible, you know, intangibles wise, you know, is going to attack the glass, do all the dirty work, things mm -hmm. like that. I really like his game. You know, he had a rougher, rougher shooting night. And I know Knicks fans have kind of harped on him in terms of his effectiveness this year, but he did good off the bench for the Knicks. I thought he actually applied pressure on the Mavericks tonight at times, um, hit a few mid-range shots. Um, our, our, we already talked about RJ Barrett. That's a reason like why Miles McBride played so much in this game. Yeah. RJ Barrett went out early with that right index finger laceration. Um, but Julius Randall, per usual, comes in and absolutely destroys the Mavericks. You know, we already talked about how they were able to mismatch Hunt, and those were the possessions that I was getting pissed off about, where the Mavericks seemingly just had no help defense. We're just segueing Julius Randall to yeah. the rim when. Tim Radovis would get switched on to him. Uh, Julius Randle went 11 for 23 in this game, so almost 50%. He had 18 rebounds. Mitchell well, Robinson. I, yeah, didn't, I didn't either. Yeah. Mitchell Robinson had 16. So you, the Mavericks got rebound, out-rebounded 55 to 47. Not as bad as you'd think, but only, you know, no small part just due to Luka, essentially, because our bigs were almost non-existent on the class tonight in terms of Powell and Wood. And, you know, Wood definitely more so in the fourth and Overtime was able to reprimand himself a little bit, but um, nonetheless, I mean, like they were non-existent to an extent. But you know, besides Julius Randle getting to the line and getting escorted to the rim um, by some of our defenders, he did make some really tough threes in this game, and he always kind of shows out against the Mavericks. So props to him from that aspect. Like the Knicks weren't it. While the Knicks did have like some bad luck in terms of Brunson and Barrett being out, 
they did bear, you know, some, I would say some games for some guys that we wouldn't usually see, Yeah, you know, Mitchell Robinson, just basically off staying in the dunker spot um, and getting offensive rebounds was able to apply pressure on the rim by 20 points. His career high is 23. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, he did a f- phenomenal job offensively tonight. You know, he could have made a couple more free throws, of course, because he's a really low person, but that's not what he does. He played his role to an absolute premium. This is probably the best game I'd seen him play, like, live. Yeah, like, I in think, a game yeah. that I'd watched, like, offensively. I'd never seen him have that much effectiveness. And, you know, albeit it's with a very convoluted Mavericks big man rotation that's missing, you know, they're basically only rim protector and Maxi Cleburne, who's, you know, not even best suited as a primary <laughs> yeah. integral rim protector. But – um, I mean, props to him for taking advantage of what the defense gave him is what I can tell yeah. you because he, he just kind of stood pat and did what he, he needed to do. And I mean, he looked like a dominant force inside. Luckily we were able to remediate it because we have a guy on the other side um, who scored 60 points. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel quickly, like I said, he played 50 minutes in this game. I think the most minutes out of anybody on both sides of the ball um, and, and in an absence of Brunson. I mean, this guy did a great job applying pressure on the rim. He had a really rough shooting game. He went five for 21 from the field. Wow, actually. Yes. I, I, didn't realize you, I knew he was clanking a lot. Jared. I didn't realize he was shooting that much. And he went, uh, I want to say, he went one for 10 from three. Only made that one, like, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, fourth quarter, yeah. So, he's not going to shoot that bad. Re- like, the Mavericks, like, like I was trying to tell you, like, the Mavericks played so bad defensively to where they shouldn't have won this game. But they still did because they – the Knicks bared some negative regression in terms yeah. of guys shooting bad and um, quickly in McBride. But I mean, this guy, um, I mean, Emmanuel quickly played. I mean, he did a great job putting pressure on the rim nonetheless, despite a bad shooting game. He, you know, I know this is a guy who's been tossed around some trade talks to the Mavericks. I'd love to have him here personally. I don't know how feasible it is, but you know, it showed me, he definitely showed me some of his intangibles as a player tonight, having 15 assists, being able to be, the primary point of attack ball handler, being able to run the offense, really not having a ton of turnovers, getting guys in the ball in spots where like they need to be. And he didn't do so in like a forceful manner. It wasn't like flashy or anything, but he was running the offense to a T despite him having a bad shooting game. And he, it, he didn't let it bog him down. No, and, not and, at I all. Mean, it was impressive. Like he, he looked good out there. You could like, yes, he was missing a lot of shots, but it, it wasn't like you were watching him and he's like, oh, this guy sucks. No, for a young player who, you know, I would say is pretty volatile on his shooting. Yeah. You know, to see very up and down. Yeah. To see him, you know, have a, a really, really bad shooting game. Um, and he seemingly just put it behind him and he was giving guys the ball uh that could score. And that was Julius Randle, that was Mitchell Robinson. Um, and that was uh Quentin Grimes. I, I do want to get in him, yeah, but last, he's the last guy yeah. um, you know, that's you know. I think that speaks maturity of his game. Uh, again, you know, you mentioned trade talks. I would love to have him here in Dallas, but how real is that? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, for how bad he shot, I think he had a really, really good game. Yes, me too. You know, double, double, 13 points, 15 assists. Lastly, we'll get into Quentin Grimes who had 33 points and he ended up going, can you check his, I ended up having to close NBA, NBA up. Quentin Grimes went on his, uh, threes in this game he ended up shooting he was seven for 16 on threes I mean he was shooting the lights out during stretch he was like game. seven of eight at one point yeah um and he went 12 for 25 from the field I didn't I mean this guy is 
Josh Green minus, I guess, like a little bit of the athleticism Josh has yeah. um, and like the passing ability, but he still has the ability to attack off of a closeout or, you know, further some of his own offense. Just get, he's so quick off some of these single dribble moves, gets to the rim, apply pressure there in tandem with just insane three point shooting, you know, just bullshit three point shooting. And he's a really damn good defender. Really good. I mean, I, I know Luca had 60 tonight, but you got to realize that outside of Grimes and Robinson, this Knicks lineup is very, you know, scarce in terms of their defensive pressure they can apply. That's not discrediting Luca's 60 points by any means, but I mean, he he did when he was matched up one on one with Luca, which you know, throughout decent stretches in this game, he did a good job contesting. Luca yeah. just was able to finish over. No, Luke, I mean Luca just yeah. Luca. But. Yeah, but I mean, what a game by him. I mean, the Knicks were finding him positions to where he was, you know, hitting every three. I mean, this guy is one, gonna be one of the you know premier three and D um you know pseudo creators in our game going forward. Mm. And I think NBA fans definitely need to keep him on our hit their radar. I mean he's only um, I guess he, he's only 22 years old. Well, I didn't even know he's that yeah. young. I mean, this guy's I, he's in his second year. I do know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, just all I'm going to say is like, you know, he's the first pick of the 20, I mean, the 25th pick of the tw- uh, 2021 draft. This guy's a steal. I mean, he's a lottery talent. Like, I mean, it's like huge steal. Uh, and he is like quickly emerged as one I mean, of the more he was good last starters. year, but he was still in that sort of echelon where like, oh, we could include him in a Donovan Mitchell trade. If I'm the Knicks, you know, with all their capital and their ability to make a move at some point, I'd be hesitant to include this guy in a trade. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. he's such a young piece that you can – I don't want to say build around, but he's a guy that you you get a star he's, and he, you he put be, them around. And He can be the third, fourth best player on one day. On one, a, day. one day on a championship team. Yeah. You know, obviously, the consistency isn't there, but, I mean, I'm very high on this guy. Yeah. yeah uh, but it's, are, it was quite a revelation. I really enjoyed watching him, seeing his game, because I haven't watched a ton of him. No, yeah. Admittedly, like outside of that one Mavericks versus Knicks game, me and Jaron, of course, try to keep up with outside NBA stuff as much as we can. We do, you know, as good of a job watching other stuff. And, but, you know, we don't have a lot of opportunity to consume whole games of other teams. Yeah, whole games. Yeah. We do, big... we do consume a lot of content and media of, you know, basketball figureheads showing us other players and that's primarily where we get our info from you know pretty sourced individuals but we don't have a lot of opportunities to consume whole games and you know sometimes you can only get the intangibles and um the play style of a guy when you yeah. see a whole game mm-hmm. and that's quentin grimes yeah. uh you know i early on in the season i know he was inserted in that starting lineup and they just haven't been able to take him out since no uh this is a guy this is what we hope josh green becomes yeah the, which... but in, in a different with a slightly, you know, different stylistic tone to it. You know, of course, a little more passing, maybe a little less shooting, but still that, um, you know, creation, attacking ability, things of that nature, the defensive intangibles. Like yeah. that, that's kind of what you're looking for. Like, I remember, like, when we did the first Mads versus Knicks podcast, like, Bibbs did, like, the Spider-Man meme where they were, like, pointing at each other, the two Spider-Mans. Yeah. They're kind of, like, the same. So I thought that was kind of funny um, on Twitter. Shout out to Bibbs. But uh, nonetheless, I mean – I don't really know how much more we can really pull away from this game. We could talk about Luca for eight hours yeah. if we wanted to, but do you have any more um, lasting words for our Lord and Savior before we end the podcast, um, Jaren? Thank you so much, Luca. Uh, we do not deserve you. This is the this, reason we do this, guys. We were dead in the water, sitting in our seats uh, on our phones in the middle of the game, and 
Oh, we, well, we were glancing at our We phones. were glancing. We are always paying attention. We were, guys, yeah. Come on. We're yeah, the mainstream come on. Yeah. Podcast. yeah, come on. Come on. But, um, but yeah, the, this one was, uh, I mean, this was, I, I'm just like amazed that we were there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've really had any like coming to God moments since I started this podcast, but like a night like this, you know, there have been times where our motivation has lacked. Yeah. Um, where we just haven't really felt it. And, this was like damn like this is why i do this yeah no this yeah this yeah. reason uh this is why i am passionate about basketball like getting to cover something as special and momentous as that seeing the just pu- the beauty and the art behind the sport what was that full display tonight yeah for sure once we get the uh media day necklaces around our necks and we get to wear that for 41 games out of the year um you know i hope to see more things like yes. that but you know in our or feeble, wherever we're working or yeah or wherever we're working um shout out to uh washington i'm just kidding um you know this was as you alluded to single-handedly like the best experience uh and single player performance yeah. maybe it made me want to work harder yeah maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah it did make me want to work yeah. harder um yeah but just i mean luca is well deserving of that beer so I hope he had plenty more beers as well. Yes, as will we tonight. Yeah, as will no, we. I'm just joking. We're 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 under. 20. Yeah, we are we underage. We do we not do drink. at all. No, at all. Never. <laughs> Never. Never. Have you? Do you even know what alcohol tastes? I like? don't know what alcohol. Right, that, we'll find out one day, um, but not tonight. Nonetheless, guys, we will catch you in the next one. Make sure to subscribe and like and comment on our YouTube if you guys are watching on that medium. Uh, it is Mainstream Mass Podcast, of course. You know that if you're watching. Um, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to subscribe to us and give us a five-star rating. And if you can give us a review at all, do that if you feel so inclined. Thank you so much for listening this far in the podcast. We appreciate all your support, and we appreciate Luca for what he has gave to, uh, to us tonight. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs. We posted a bunch of stuff during the game there. Got a picture of Dirk's statue. It was really cool. Um, so we will catch you guys in the next one. Jaron, you always got the next game coming up for us. Who are we playing tomorrow? Uh, it's not tomorrow. Or I guess oh, and, uh, I, I, by the time this podcast tomorrow. comes, it will be tomorrow. It will be tomorrow. So be we play soon. the Houston Rockets at 6 on so yeah, I had you, Valley I had Sports. Sp- yeah, Valley yes. Sports Southwest. Valley Sports Southwest, Houston Rockets at 6. We will catch you guys in the next one. What an occasion, Luka Doncic. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Two steals and a block. Game of the year, overtime, game time, uh, or fourth quarter, game time basket to send it to overtime off of a, his own missed free throw. Insanity. Insanity. But not Lynn Sanity. Luca Sanity. We will catch you guys <laughs> yeah. in the next one. Bye-bye.